0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. July the 8th, 1497. Vasco de Gama set sail from Portugal with four ships and a crew of 170 men. His goal was to sail southward around the southern tip of Africa and to accomplish what no other European explorer had ever done, to continue north and sail for India. Now, a route to India would have provided the Portuguese with trade. It would have provided them with great wealth. It would have provided them with power. The only problem with the route to India was that it was unknown. No one had ever sailed from Europe around the southern tip of Africa to arrive safely in India. Some believed the journey was impossible, too difficult to even attempt. Some had tried. No one had ever succeeded, but Gama was determined. And so he set sail and left all that was safe, all that was comfortable, all that was familiar, and he sailed into the unknown. Now for so many people... The path to spiritual growth and renewal feels like a journey into the unknown. Maybe they desire to grow. Maybe they desire to deepen their walk with Christ. Maybe they desire to hear His voice. And yet, for some reason, spiritual depth seems just out of their reach. But what if? What if there was a very clear path to knowing God's will? What if there was a way to to see and understand and, and search the depths of His grace, to know the riches of His love? What if there was a way to experience His joy and to hear His voice and to courageously do His will? What if there was a clear path, and yet for so many people it remained unknown? Wouldn't you want to find that path? Wouldn't you want to take that journey? This is week one in a sermon series we're calling Into the Unknown. And so, for the next six weeks over the summer, we're going to examine a clear path to spiritual growth and spiritual renewal. It's a path that's literally been used for centuries, but in modern times has been forgotten. And so, each week, we're going to unlock a door. We're going to walk through and unlock a door to spiritual growth into the depths of God's love, into the depths of God's mercy. Some have called these doors spiritual disciplines. Some have called this the path of righteousness. Whatever name you give it, I think it's going to lead us into a deeper understanding and a deeper love for the things of the Lord. But it's not just a sermon series. I'm going to preach for the next six weeks on this topic and we'll delve into these ideas. But we've provided you something more than just a sermon. We've provided you with a prayer guide. I hope most of you saw it or had an opportunity to pick one up. If you didn't, they're available at the doors when you leave. If not, they're going to be available tomorrow on our website. But this is a prayer guide that's specific to our church. It's not a generic prayer guide of other places. It's specific to the needs and the ministries of our church. But here's what I love about this prayer guide. This prayer guide goes hand in hand with this sermon series. So every sermon you hear on a Sunday morning, you'll take this prayer guide home during the week and you'll pray specifically about the things we talked about on Sunday morning. So you take this with you. I pray that you'll use it as a guide. I pray that it will motivate you to pray more and more over the course of summer. I'll argue all summer that there is a clear path to knowing God more deeply. And so today together... We're going to begin that journey. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Now some of you are familiar with the story of Daniel. Let me just kind of sum up where we are in this book so you'll know the context which we're about to delve into. The Israelites had left Egypt. Moses had led them into the desert. They had wandered for 40 years. They had been rebellious. Moses had passed away along with the rebellious generation and Joshua had taken over. The Lord had blessed Joshua. The Lord had given Joshua strength and courage. Joshua had led the people of Israel across the Jordan River. They had lived in the promised land. And at this point in the book of Daniel, around 800 years has passed. Now the problem we've seen with the children of Israel as we've studied through and seen them in sermons past is that they're kind of fickle. There are moments when they love the Lord and serve Him and want to do all the things that He's called them to do. And then there are moments when they are sinful and rebellious. It's kind of like a roller coaster. And over the course of these 800 years, because of their sinfulness, because of their lack of obedience, the Lord has punished them. So at this point in Daniel chapter 9, King Saul, King David, King Solomon have all passed away. In the year 605 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar, a wicked king from Babylon, had surrounded Jerusalem, had laid siege to Jerusalem, had taken over the city, and had taken all the best and brightest, all the smart and the capable young men from the city of Jerusalem with him back to Babylon. Daniel was one of those young men. Now, when we hear the story of Daniel, you probably think immediately of Daniel in the lion's den, or maybe you think about the way Daniel conducted himself in the presence of the king, But if you study Daniel's life and you read through the book of Daniel, at the heart of Daniel's faith was his prayer life. As believers, we understand the importance of prayer. We we understand the importance of seeking the Lord and going to the Lord in prayer. In fact, if we were to spend some time studying through Scripture, we see time after time after time that prayer is commanded of us. For example, Matthew chapter 6. When Christ is giving to His disciples the model prayer, He says in verse 5 of Matthew 6, And when you pray... He says in verse 6 of Matthew 6, and when you pray. He says in verse 7, and when you pray. For Christ, it's not if you pray. It's not we hope you can find some time to pray. It's not if you have a little bit of time at the end of the day, you can pray. Christ says when you pray, you should pray like this. And he gives them the model prayer. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice always, now listen to this, ready? Pray continually, giving thanks to all things and all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Prayer is foundational to the Christian walk. There's no substitute in the growing life of a believer than to spend time alone with God in prayer. But I'm not going to talk this morning about prayer in general. I'm going to take for granted the fact that we all understand the importance of prayer. I'm going to take for granted the fact that we all know that prayer is something we need to be doing regularly in our lives. And I'll pray that through this prayer journal we're able to do this. But I want to talk this morning about an element of prayer that I truly believe will unlock a door for you. I want to talk about an element of prayer that will unlock a door to a deeper walk with Jesus Christ. I want to talk this morning about a specific kind of prayer. And the kind of prayer I want to focus on for the next little while is a prayer of confession. Now, I'm going to argue this morning that confession is a door that will lead us into the depths of God. And yet, for so many people, it's unknown. So let's begin this morning in Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 4. Here's what Daniel says. Daniel's words, I prayed to the Lord my God. Now this is Daniel speaking. And right off the bat, he's going to give us a picture here. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Now if you've got your Bibles and you're taking notes, you need to underline that. If you're taking notes on your iPad, you need to put a little yellow line across that, right? I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants and prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. Now Daniel's looking at the history of Israel, the fact that the Israelites have now been scattered in all lands. Verse 8 We and our kings, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. Now let's stop there for just a few minutes. Here's the first point I want you to understand about our journey into the unknown. Our journey, number one, to know God more deeply, must begin with humble confession through prayer. Let me say that again. Our journey to know God more deeply must begin with humble confession through prayer. Confession, I believe is foundational to our prayer life. And without confession in prayer, our prayers become weak, and watch this, usually very self-centered. I'll talk more about that in just a second, but I want you to look at what Daniel does in verse 4. Right off the bat, he clues us into where he's going here. There's no doubt in our mind as we read Daniel chapter 9, verse 4, where he's going with this prayer. I prayed to the Lord my God, and I confessed... Now, if you were to spend some time studying through the prayers of Scripture, I mentioned how you can find so many instances of prayer being commanded. If you were to delve a little more deeply into those prayers, if you were to examine those prayers a little bit more and try to understand the point of those prayers, I think you would begin to see confession time after time after time after time. For example, I mentioned Matthew chapter 6 a few minutes ago in the model prayer. You'll remember this prayer, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and what's next? You remember, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. It's confession. You see that? There's confession very clearly in that prayer. Psalm chapter 51, which is a, a picture of David after he had sinned and had an affair with Bathsheba. And he had been confronted with his sin. Psalm chapter 51 is his confession in prayer. And he begins in verses 1 and 2 by saying this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. You see that? There's confession. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah is a very interesting book. The Lord placed upon Nehemiah's heart the desire to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Maybe you know the story. And so when Nehemiah recognizes that the wall has been torn down, he prays immediately to God in verse 5 of Nehemiah chapter 1. I want you to listen to what he says. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant of love with those who love Him and keep His commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Now watch this. I confess the sins of We Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws that you have given your servant Moses. We see over and over and over in our study of prayer this pattern of confession. But here's the problem in our world today. Confession within our prayers for so many believers today is largely unknown, isn't it? It's not something we're familiar with. If we begin to think about confessional prayer, it's not something that we regularly do. Here's kind of what we do in our world. I'm I'm at the front of the line, by the way. Our prayers oftentimes become the to-do list that we give to the Lord. Lord, I need you to fix these things for me. I need you to work on this. I've got a a situation at work I need you to handle. Or I've got a a friend who's having some marital problems. Or I I know our neighbor across the street is having financial issues, and we begin to pray for those things. Now, I want to pause for just a second and be very clear here. We should absolutely pray for those things, of course. The Lord wants to hear from us. The Lord wants us to pour our heart out before Him. Prayer should certainly include our needs because God wants to demonstrate His love to us. He wants to demonstrate His power to us. He wants to answer our prayers in the context of our life. But the element, the key that so many of us are missing in our prayer life is this idea of confession. I had the opportunity, kind of the, the brilliant idea several years ago to replace the radio in my van. And so I went to Walmart, Amy and I did, and we picked out the radio we wanted to buy. It was a nice and it had a CD player. Our, our old van and our old radio it didn't even have a CD player. So we a CD player, that's nice. We'll buy the CD player. And I took it home and I started looking at it and I thought, you know what? I don't want to pay somebody two or $300 to install this thing. I think I can install this myself. And so I unfolded the piece of paper 19 times, you know, and it's a big poster board, and there are 52 different languages, you know, of all the different directions, and I'm, I'm fine English, and okay, I, I work through, and I start getting the directions, and so I pull the dashboard out, right, I kind of pull all the stuff out, pull the old radio out, right, and I'm, I'm getting the new radio, and I'm, you know, I'm starting to work and put it together, and hey, this is, this is working, <laughs> this, is, this is making sense, right, the wires are beginning to, to connect together, and Things are going where they're supposed to go, and there, there are no parts left over. Usually when I build something, there's a bunch of parts. And Amy's like, what are all those screws for? And I'm like, honey, they're extra. You know, they're extra in case you lose a couple. You don't need to worry about those. They're fine, honey, you know. But I finished the radio. There are no screws left over. And then I put that thing back in place, and it fit, right? Wow, it fit. And and I put the screws back on. I kind of popped everything back in place. And I'm, <sighs> I'm going to take this in for a second. This is a nice feeling. I've done this. I've accomplished this, right? I'm, I've done this job, man. I've all this technical stuff, and I pulled this radio out. And so I slide over the driver's seat and I crank that thing up. I'm just kind of <sighs> basking for a second in my success, you know. And man, I reached down and popped that radio on. Nothing. <laughs> no sound. No lights. No sound. No buzzing. Nothing. No sound. I'm like, oh, great. Okay. So I pulled the whole, whole thing back out, right? I'm checking wires and redoing it. Took it all apart. Put it back together. Tried it again. Nothing. No sound. Nothing. So three or four times this happens, and I'm I'm getting into several hours at this point, right? And I'm becoming more and more frustrated because here's my mindset, right? My mindset is I've spent four or five hours on these things. I'm still going to have to pay a guy 300 bucks to install it, right? Because something's wrong. So I pick up the phone. I call one of these guys who installs, hoping he'll have a little mercy on me, right, and help me. And I explain my situation. I I start talking through the process with him. And he kind of stops me in mid-sentence, and he says, Did you connect the ground wire? Long pause on my end. Wheels are turning. I don't remember seeing a ground wire. You know, I I guess I didn't. Well, he says, you need to go and check, and you need to connect the ground wire. Great. So I take everything back out. I pull everything. I start looking, and sure enough, on the very back of this thing is this little bitty plug that I had not even seen. And I plug that thing in, thinking, I really don't think this is going to work. I hope it does. I plug it back in, stick it back in the dash, everything screw in, crank up the car, turn the radio on, boom, perfect sound. I told the 930 service, Millie Vanilli has never sounded so good in my van. <laughs> just singing along with them, right? Here's the point about that radio. That ground wire to me was unknown. I didn't know it existed. And yet it was the key to the power of that radio. You understand that? I believe for so many of us confession in our prayers like that. For so many of us it's just unknown. We don't even know it's there. We don't even worry about it. We can't figure out why we're not having prayer in our. We can't figure out why we're not having power in our prayer. We can't figure out why the Lord doesn't seem to be working in the way that we hoped he would work. I'm going to argue that confession within our lives is kind of that key that will unlock the power of prayer. And so you, you, you ask the question, great, okay, so I'm I'm seeing that confession is in Scripture. I'm seeing that you're talking a lot about confession, but why is confession so important? Well, there are two reasons confession is so important. Confession is so important, number one, because the Bible commands it. We see it over and over in this model of prayer. But the second reason I believe that confession is so important is because it humbles us before the Lord. You understand that? It puts us in right standing. See, here's the problem with so many believers in our world today. We make much of ourselves and very little of God. If we were honest about it, that's exactly what we do. We talk about wanting to serve the Lord, we talk about wanting to seek the Lord, and yet we're far more concerned about our own happiness or desires than doing the will of the Lord, aren't we, if we were honest with one another. We talk about seeking Him, we talk about growing in our faith, we're far more concerned with doing what we would rather do rather than what God has called us to do. We talk about having thoughts about the Lord and meditating on His promises, and yet we're far more concerned with what other people think than what the Lord thinks. See, we we live in a society that makes much of ourselves and very little of God, but that's not at all what Daniel does. His model is opposite. His model is unknown to us. Daniel doesn't begin by listing all the things he needs. Instead, he begins with this idea of confession. You see this very interesting pattern pattern throughout these verses. You see how Daniel kind of sets this up with who the Lord is and who I am. So, for example, in verse 4, we see things like this. Daniel says, the Lord is great and awesome, right? That's what Daniel says about the Lord. He keeps his covenant of love, right? So there's the Lord, and then Daniel puts it in perspective, and he humbles himself before the Lord in verse 5 and 6, and we have sinned, and we have rebelled, and we have turned away, and we have not listened. Verse 7 and 8, Lord, you are righteous, and we are covered with shame. See the comparison? Verses nineteen and 11, the Lord is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled. You see that there? We have not obeyed. All Israel has turned away. So here's what Daniel understands. Daniel understands that he needs to confess to the Lord his unrighteousness and put himself in right standing before the Lord before he ever goes into any sort of prayer where he asks for things he needs. See, Daniel spends all this time in confession. He spends all this time reminding the Lord of how great he is and how sinful I am. And yet for so many of us, as we try to delve into the depths of the knowledge of God, as we try to deepen our spiritual walk, prayer of confession is unknown. But I believe it's a key that will unlock a door in our lives before the Lord in prayer. Now let's move on, verse 12. We see the importance of confession, verse 12 now in chapter 9 of Daniel. You have fulfilled the words, this again is Daniel speaking to the Lord. Against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. And he's remembering all the Lord has done and all the punishment and all the wrath upon the people for their sinfulness. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God. Watch this, this is important. By turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. Now verse 14. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything He does, yet we have not obeyed Him. Now, Lord our God, who brought Your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for Yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Here's the second point. Not only does Daniel begin with this idea of confession, but number two, our journey to know God more deeply, in our journey to know God more deeply, our prayer must include repentance. Our prayer must in some way lead us to repentance. Now Daniel has already confessed. He's kind of talked to the Lord about who the Lord is and who Daniel is. And he's kind of put himself humbly before the Lord. And he's kind of put himself in right standing with the Lord. Lord, this is who you are and this is who I am. But then he does something very interesting in verse 13. Daniel says, Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God. And now here's the picture of Repentance, you ready? By turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. See, confession is kind of the acknowledgement of the sinfulness in our lives. Repentance is when we actually turn from our sins and follow Christ. And there's a big difference. Daniel says, we may have recognized our sinfulness. We may have confessed to you. But in verse 13, we've failed because we haven't turned from our sins. We haven't turned from our sins and turned instead to your truth. See, here's the point. It's not enough just to recognize our shortcomings. We need to do something about them in the power of the Lord. It's not enough just to recognize the sinfulness in our life that impedes us from going deeper in our walk with Christ. We need to do something about that. I remember when I was a kid, and you guys are in summer break now, right now, and probably not thinking a whole lot about studying, but I can remember when I was a kid and a test would come up. And if you're like me, I was, you know, I guess I wasn't the king of this, but I felt like I was. I was the king of procrastination, right? So a test is coming up in three days, and I always had this great mindset. I'm going to study a little bit at a time, right? I'm going to study, a, you know, 15 minutes here and 15 and a half an hour, and I'll, I'll kind of break it into little chunks, and by the time I'm done, I will study for four or five hours, right? Well, what do I do? I procrastinate. Well, kind of tired today. I'm not going to study. I'll, I'll do it tomorrow, right? And you whittle it on down to the night before the test, and I'm tired, and I'm going to study after dinner, and then I'm I'm tired, I'm going to go to bed, I'm going to study the next morning, and okay, now I'm going to study right before the test. And here's the problem with doing that. All the procrastination in the world, all the desire to study, all the hope to study, all the benefits of knowing what studying is going to bring to you, none of those things do you any good if you don't actually study, right? Hoping to study is not going to help you on that final Planning to study is not going to help you on that final. Thinking about studying and desiring to study is not going to help you on that final. The only thing that's going to help you on that final is to actually study. It's kind of like that with repentance. You may think to yourself, you need to stop treating people so unfairly, but if you never do it, you've kind of missed the point. You may think to yourself, you know, I need to stop cheating or lying or acting this way at work, but if you never stop doing it, you're missing the point. You may think to yourself, there's this this thing in my life and here it is and I know that I'm part of it and it's something I'm struggling with and I need to stop doing it. But if you never turn from the sinfulness to the truth of Christ, you're missing the point. See, true repentance always leads us to action. If you want to deepen your walk with Christ, you need to remove the sins of your life and obey the teachings of Christ. I believe... That one of the primary reasons so many believers don't experience growth in their life is that they, they are either unaware of the sin in their life or they're unwilling to repent of it. I believe that. And So I think we find ourselves mired in this sin. And, and even though we have freedom in Christ, sometimes we get trapped in this sinfulness and we can't find our way out and we can't figure out why we're not growing and we can't understand why the Lord doesn't seem to be blessing us. And yet we see that Daniel very clearly points to this idea of confession. He points to this idea of repentance. And he understands the importance of getting back in a right relationship with Christ. Now look at verse 16. Lord, Daniel says, In keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant for your sake, Lord. Look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. See the standing again. Daniel's very clear about his standing before the Lord. Look, listen, Lord. Forgive, Lord, hear and act. For your sake, O God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear Your name. So we've seen this idea of confession within our prayer that's unknown to so many. We've seen the importance of repentance, of actually turning from our sins that's unknown to so many. Here's the third thing. In our journey to know God more deeply, we must pray for God's glory. In our journey to know God more deeply, we must pray for God's glory. This is probably the most interesting part of this prayer for me because as you begin to study through this and you begin to delve into it and understand it a little bit better, there's a very interesting fact here about verses 16, 17, and 18, and 19. We see this long prayer that Daniel has prayed to the Lord and yet it's very interesting that it's not until verse 16 that Daniel, watch this, actually asks for anything. You understand that? We're 16 verses into this chapter, Daniel hasn't asked for anything for one thing, that's an unknown model to us, isn't it? That's not the way we conduct ourselves in prayer. See, here's what Daniel understands. Lord, I can't petition you. I can't ask you to work in my life until I have first confessed my sinfulness and acknowledged your glory and your power before me. I can't come to you asking you to work in the hearts of these people until I understand the right standing of who you are and who I am. I can't come to you and petition to you until I've confessed the sinfulness of my life. Here's what Daniel understands. It humbles him before the Lord. It puts him into right standing with the Lord. It helps him understand the heart of who the Lord is and how the Lord works. And it reminds me very clearly of Christ's pleas in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42. Christ is kneeling down, he's praying, he's about to be arrested and eventually crucified. And here's what Jesus says. Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. That's just an amazing statement that Christ makes. The Lord says, I don't really want to go through this. (laughs) I don't really want to have to be nailed to that cross. I don't really want to have to suffer this pain that I'm going to go through. But yet, Lord, not my will, but your will. When's the last time we prayed that? When's the last time we begin with confession? Lord, I'm unworthy of you. I've sinned. Forgive me, Father point out my unrighteousness. You point out the failures of my life. Help me to understand, Father. May I turn from those and and away from that sinfulness and away from that sinful pattern toward you, Lord. May I turn from the mistakes that I've made to your truth, to your holiness, to your glory. And I love what Daniel does here because he begins to talk about who God is and he begins to see God's glory and he begins to pray not for what he specifically wants, but that he would experience the power of the Lord working in his life. And so we see verses like verse 17 where Daniel says, For your name's sake, Lord. Verse 18, Not because of us, but because of your great mercy. Verse 19, Lord, listen, Lord, forgive, Lord, hear and act for your sake, Lord. Here's what Daniel says, It's not even really about what I want, Lord. It's about what you want. It's about your will and it's about your glory. It's about me humbling myself recognizing the sinfulness of my life, confessing and repenting, and then, Lord, in the midst of all that, praying for your glory, for your will to be done, Lord. I want to see incredible things, Lord. I want to see your power for your sake and because you're righteous and because you're holy. And I'm really excited about this sermon series. It's just going to go for the next six weeks, and I spent a lot of time praying and, and, and quite honestly struggling about this summer about what the Lord wanted to say and what the Lord wanted to do. And so I decided to preach this sermon for for two reasons. Number one, we just finished 1 John, and 1 John was very convicting. And I've had so many people come to me and say, you know what, Adam, I'd really like to strengthen my walk. I recognize that in some areas my faith isn't authentic, and I want it to be. And what can I do? And so this is going to be an extremely, this summer, an extremely practical approach. To give you some very specific things you ought to be doing in your life. That's the first reason we're doing it. But here's the second reason. I believe God is preparing our church for some incredible things. I really, with all my heart, believe that he's going to do some amazing things in the next several years in our church. And I want to see his power and I want to see his glory displayed. We've got all kind of exciting problems to have. One of them is a space issue I mean, our 9.30 service is packed. 11 o'clock is almost packed. we we, we got to make some difficult decisions in the months and years to come. And so I've been praying with our leadership about it. I've been praying with our deacons, with our staff, and I've just been trying to seek the Lord's guidance. And So we formed a prayer team about a month ago. And I picked the eight people in this church with the deacons' help and with their approval. I picked the eight people in the church that if my life depended on their prayer, I'd pick them to pray for me. You know those kind of people. I had no doubt in my mind they were all going to pray for 30 straight days. And I gave them two simple rules. I said, I want you guys to pray about the future of this church. I need you to hear from the Lord. I trust you. I think the Lord's going to speak to you. Here are the two rules. Rule number one, you don't need to talk to anybody about this. It's not about what your spouse thinks. It's not about what your Sunday school teacher thinks. It's not about what your best friend thinks. It's not even really about what you think. I want you to hear from the Lord. And I don't want you to be confused with all the other voices you may hear about what everybody else thinks. That's rule number one. Here's rule number two. We're not going to meet during these 30 days. We're not gonna, this is not a, a meeting kind of a group. This is a group that I want you to pray every day. And on day 30, I'm going to put a box in my office that's going to say prayer team. I want you to write on paper what you think the Lord has said to you and how he's directed you. And on day 30, I want you to put it in that box. So 30 days passed. I pulled those things out. I spent a whole day away in prayer Pouring over these things and studying through them. And in a week, I met back with this team to kind of confirm what I felt like the Lord was saying. Here are the three things that came from that. Number one, this team said, if we're going to move forward and see God do things in our church, we need more prayer, number one. I think that's exactly right. You understand that you're the body of Christ, right? You understand if the Lord's going to do something in this church, He's going to do it through you, right? You understand that your lack of prayer can hinder our church from moving forward. We need to all be challenged with this idea of prayer. We need to all be challenged to spend more time on our faces before the Lord. Here's the second thing they came back with. We need more prayer. We need to deepen our walk with Christ. I think that's exactly right. If God's going to do amazing things in this church, we need to be ready. You understand? We don't want to be a mile wide and an inch deep. John MacArthur said something years ago This has always stuck with me. He said, you know, I believed and I prayed at the beginning of my ministry He said, I believed if I could worry about the depth of my ministry, God would worry about the breadth of my ministry. I think that's exactly right. I think we get caught up in this numbers game and we worry about the breadth and we don't worry about the depth. That's not what we're going to be doing this summer. We're going to focus on who Christ is and deepening our walk with Him. But here's the third thing this group came back with. More prayer, a deeper walk with Christ. And if we'll do those two things, we need to expect God to do something amazing. I don't have any idea what that means. But I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about seeing what the Lord's going to do and where the Lord's going to take us and how He's going to work and how He's going to lead. And I believe with all my heart, if we will pray, if we will be serious about deepening our walk with Christ, every single one of us, if we'll be serious about doing those things, I believe God's going to show up and when He does, He's going to do something amazing. I started this sermon by talking about Vasco da Gama and his journey to India. As he was traveling to India, he wrote in his journal, We left on Saturday, the eighth day of July, 1479, on our journey. And here's what he said May God our Lord allow us to complete it in his service. That ought to be the prayer of our lives, shouldn't it? Lord, we're, we're embarking on this journey. But through your power, Lord, and through your grace, we're going to complete it in your service. See, I'm going to argue for the next several weeks that there is a clear path. There is a path to knowing God more deeply. There is a path to deepening your faith in Christ. And it begins with prayers of confession. It begins with prayers of repentance. It begins by praying that God's glory will be done. And then, I believe... Through God's grace, He will allow us to complete our journey into the unknown. And we'll see Him and understand Him in ways we can't even imagine. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this study. We thank You for the the clarity of the teaching of Scripture, Lord. We thank You for the desire and the ability to spend time studying. And Lord, I pray it would just speak to our hearts very clearly. I pray you'd speak to our hearts and our minds, Father, and just challenge us to spend more time seeking your will, to spend time in prayers of confession, Lord, and and repentance and seeking your face in all things. And I pray as we do that, Father, that your name would be glorified and you'd do incredible things in our midst. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.